0: You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 181, Deep Purple Bonus Material, 1984 through 1990. And coming to you from the wet and flooded suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry.
1: And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John grunge
0: (laughs) Matola. Oh no. Why are you, why are you, grung, what were you, so what were you doing that would make you grungy? You're like, the fact that you put grunge way way that close to your name in any respect is just a little shocking, <laughs> to be honest.
1: Yeah, I was, um, I was You were listening, listening to, to Nirvana earlier. I was listening to grunge music. No, I wasn't listening
0: to Nirvana. Um, we had, a, so we had a bit of a, a bit of a flooding issue. So, so many years ago, our basement flooded. And I vowed That's to never let that weird. happen again. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I got <clears throat> I got two sump pumps instead of one so they alternate. got a big fancy battery backup for it, had it like all professionally installed, all this sort of stuff it's like ha so even if one of these sump pumps goes, my basement's <laughs> gonna not gonna flood. So yesterday we had these torrential rains. And so that's always the time when people's basement floods, you see all these people, you know, uh, plumbers and, and, uh, water mitigation experts parked outside of people's houses. And then you see the rolled up carpet the next day cause their whole basement was destroyed. And I'm, and, uh, and I'm like, no, I'm good. I got all this insurance. I'm, I'm good to go. So yesterday, unfortunately, one of the, um, uh, sinks upstairs was left running and overflowed and, uh, Went all down into the basement and flooded a part of the basement.
1: <laughs> Are you kidding me?
0: So, um, yeah. So so I, I ran down into the basement. I'm like, no. Because last time I had to do everything was destroyed. Luckily, it was contained. It's on the exact opposite end of the basement. It's like the only part of the basement that's not carpeted. It was contained to that area. So I'm like, thank God. Still hugely expensive Uh, Mistake so I don't know if can you hear like I've got a bunch of machines running right now like fans and dehumidifiers It's actually really hot down here because No it's uh, usually my basement's ice cold year-rounds, but it's, so it's pretty hot down here right now. But um, yeah, that might come out. Hopefully, it doesn't come out in the mix. But yeah, all of these machines are running. They'll be going for a few days to just kind of make sure everything's dried out and dehumidified, and then we'll be good to go at great expense. But um, yeah, but thankfully, uh, you know, uh, you know, my my also reason of doing that is like if if this basement floods, it's kind of like we'd have to probably. We'd have to do something seriously, change something about the show or put it on hiatus because <laughs> all of the equipment, everything's down here. So um, we might need a backup plan one day. But at any rate, um, it's all it's all getting fixed. We're, we're getting back to normal. But um, that was how I spent all day yesterday and all day today uh, kind of dealing with all of that. So that sounds fun. Yeah. Well, luckily, I had both days off. So there you go. Ready to go back to work tomorrow. After a nice relaxing two days off back-to-back.
1: Back. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. So what are you going to do? Um, but, hey, listen, if you want to help support our show, there's one thing you can do. Well, there's a number of things you can do. One is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to hear a mystery percussion instrument to be, to be uh, I guess, revealed upon our next uh, Apple Podcasts uh, review, five-star review. So if you want to hear what that uh, instrument is, you better leave us a five-star review. You can buy some merch on our Etsy store. You can also become a patron on Patreon or PayPal for as little as $1 a month. Help support the show. We use that money to put into the show, buy new equipment. Um, Unfortunately, it's not enough to uh, deal with floods in the basement. Uh, you've heard a fire in the basement. It was a flood in the basement today. Hey, oh, yikes! Um, so, uh, um, yeah, we put that in the show. Buy rare stuff that we can't uh, can't find otherwise, and buy new equipment and all that sort of stuff. So, saving right now for new the new computer fund to upgrade this uh, whole rig. Um, but but uh, we really appreciate that. And speaking of patrons, um, if you become a, patr- a patron patron uh, for as little as one dollar a month, you get access to our patrons only Discord chat server. You get access to our rating spreadsheet. Sheet, and um, overall, you help support the show. So coming in at the executive level, our executive level patrons at the $25 Uncommon Man Tear, we have Ovis Nakfi and Purple Maniac. At the $20, what's going on here? Tier. We've got Richard Fusey at the 10 pound uh, tier. We've got Dr. Jill Brees at the turn it up to $11 tier. We have Clay Wombacher, Frank teelgard Mortensen, Alan Ain't Too Proud To Beg, and Mickel Steen. And at the $10 Someone Came Tier, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, Better Call, Saul Evans, and Kev Roberts and his wonderful children, Matthew, Gareth, and Sarah. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the show. If you're looking for like-minded shows, you can check out deepdivepodcastnetwork.com for all of our brother shows. No sister shows yet, sadly. Um, podcast is just... Uh, the music podcast world is dominated by uh, opinionated men, like many other um, spaces in life. It's a real sausage fest <laughs> over is, here. It is a real... <laughs> it is a real... Uh, yeah, the, the, the single-band Deep Dive podcast is a real sausage fest, so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, if there's anyone out there that's got a great single band show that wants to join our network, we can get some uh, uh, some ladies on the scene. Um, <clears throat> okay, so um, this week we were just gonna talk about um, uh, talk about some bonus tracks. Uh, there's a lot of, of various um, things that have been released over the year uh, over the years that are not on albums. Um, And right now we're focusing kind of between uh, 1984, the reunion, and briefly just squeaking right into 1991, some various bonus material. So um, got some some various stuff and been kind of collecting over as we kind of get ready for, for shows and everything. I got all these, you know, these these things come up from like special edition albums or things like that. And when we first started doing the shows, we actually did kind of review those things way way back years ago um, but but pretty soon after that we realized we're just going to review the album as it was released so um, so with Deep Purple proper that has left us with a number of kind of orphan tracks that were never discussed or listened to on the show so um, so we're going to get into that Do you, anything spring to mind for you for, of, of any like specific tracks that you've heard over the years from, from this era
1: oh god no not really I mean the um the, the the 80s era not not a lot
0: no yeah and and to be honest there's not a lot um I got some live stuff and I've got some uh, outtakes from various things but uh, it should be fun stuff I've actually been looking forward to getting into for a while but if you're ready we can uh, we can kick it off with the first track here um so this one is called not responsible and it was released on the cassette version of Uh, Perfect Strangers, but for whatever reason not put onto the... uh, Yeah, and like some of these will probably sound familiar and you'll say, oh, I had this on this compilation or that compilation or whatever. Um, Yeah, so this one, for whatever reason, left off of Perfect Strangers uh, but was put on the cassette version. So here we go, Not Responsible. Has kind of a... uh, That that guitar part sounds like it could be on, like, Battle Rages On.
2: Old black
0: Look know that bass, that groove. If you
1: put a drawer full of forks in there in a heavy guitar. This could have been off Born Again.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: it does kind of sound like it almost production-wise, too, if, like, the production was cleaner. Roger's bass line on this is great, though. Yeah. So you'll have to write in and let us know if you... if this is on your copy of Perfect Strangers I never had the cassette I only had the uh... so to me it sounds like a. would I- heard it I've heard it a few times over the years in various compilations or whatever wherever the hell you hear this but I, I don't associate it with the album the way that some people might kind of reminds me of, uh... How's the, uh... The bonus track from Woosh. Uh, uh, Dancing in My Sleep. Hmm. Kind of reminds me of, uh, of that one. The way you've got this, like, delivery of vocal, this pause, and then Roger doing a... Doing this little... this little fill on the bass. Foot is on the other shoe. Classic Gillen line.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't really like this pre-chorus because the first, because he's saying like these things like. The first one, he's like, "If I'm hungry, then I eat. If I'm cold, I need some heat." It's just like, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> but so yeah, if I'm if it's wet, I stay inside. If it's cold, if I'm afraid, I run and hide. Being very vulnerable, I guess. Nice Richie solo. I see the uh, When I see the progress bar on the track going this far coming out of a solo, I'm like, well, I guess John Lord's getting stiffed again. <laughs> <laughs> Unless there's something in the outro, but seems seems doubtful. Not responsible what do you think of that one
1: are we rating these or like nah no i didn't i didn't think so um i thought it was okay i can see why it was left off the album i mean i, I remember hearing it um or it being part of the, the uh the tape so um oh because you um, probably yeah you
0: probably had the tape version right
1: oh yeah it's it's back it's back there somewhere um <laughs> buried <laughs> buried under a mountain of other tapes um Yeah, it wasn't, um, I feel it was like, uh, I mean, there were some good, good parts to it, but I mean, it's just like the whole thing just sounded like really like low energy, you know, like even Richie's solo, it sounded like he was kind of bored.
0: It started Um, off really cool. And then it just, I think it went on a little too long. And then towards the end, he was just like, whatever. It didn't seem, (laughs) he didn't seem that invested in
1: it. Yeah, it was just really like, you know, a slow tempo for them, you know, uh, there was there was some cool stuff like the the it's, it, did it sound like you did like backwards drums or something in the the verse?
0: I don't know if it was drums or if it was like uh, feedback, like, sp- sp- yeah. like that kind of like like reverse reverb or something, maybe.
1: Yeah, but what, whatever that was. Um, and, um, uh, you know, Roger's bass, you know, that that stuff was cool. But it just it sounded like they were like, hey, well, let's let's do this take for this song. And they didn't really put a lot behind it, you know, they were just like you know, just it, it was just like there so I can I can see why they were like, yeah, this isn't one of the strongest you know, uh, uh tracks on the album, so let's leave it off or make it a you know, tack it on at the end of the cassette or whatever.
0: Yeah, I could see why they would hold off on this one. And uh it sounds like some of the tracks like from House of Blue Light or from Battle Rages on that are where they just weren't 100% into it. Mhm. Yeah. I, I think the energy was a little low when you you take a song like, you know, Knocking on Your Back Door or Perfect Strangers, or, and then match it up against this. It's not quite of the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so the next uh, song is kind of a lot a lot to be said about the next song, and um, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong. In fact, in fact, I think I pronounced it wrong before, and Rich got all over me about mispronouncing something. I know it's hard to believe. I'm very <laughs> out of character for him. But um, uh, Son of Alaric, Lyric, whatever. Um, uh, it doesn't come up a lot in conversation, so I don't know how the heck it's pronounced. Um, and there's no vocals, so how how would one know? Um, but however you pronounce it, uh, this is an instrumental, a long instrumental from uh Perfect Strangers Son of we'll call it a lyric. That's the way I don't want to pronounce it, so that's probably the right way. <laughs>
1: All right, so I just said that I'm not familiar with like all these 80s bonus tracks. Already these first two I've heard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, this one's this one you've heard because it's on the bonus like the uh, the re release. It's a bonus track, so I think it's like at the very end of the album. I think they tack it on at the end, if I remember correctly. But I always like this one because it we got a really cool vibe to it. sounds very spontaneous.
1: Yeah, they're jamming. They're doing what Deep
0: Purple does. So there's a little brief snippet on thehighwaystar.com that's an email from Paul
2: Mann.
0: Um, somebody said, who is who is, this Alaric? And Paul Mann says, we haven't found out. Roger said it was Blackmore's song name so that he didn't know. He seemed to remember a King Alaric from English history. But was uncertain. Another possible source is Michael Moorcock books. As I seem to have read a suggestion about Elric, the one with the sword named Stormbringer, you know. Father being called Alaric, i.e., the son of Alaric is Elric himself. But this is highly unverified. So we've heard about Michael Moorcock had a had a book called Stormbringer, and there was they had I think at some point asked Coverdale. If, this, if that was taken from the, the Moorcock book and he said he had never heard of it but it's possible if Richie's lifting all this stuff from it that he knew about it and suggested the title so it's not like a common thing like a common word, Stormbringer but this is a great great vibe in the song And I'm sure this one was on like one of those rarities compilations at some point, but it was officially on the 1999 CD re-release of Perfect Strangers. Mm-hmm. A very loose kind of studio jam vibe to it. Should sneak this one onto the grunge playlist. <laughs> if anybody notices. Famous Seattle grunge band Deep Purple. It'd be great if there was like grunge covers of Deep Purple we could do a whole episode of featuring grunge covers. <laughs> Oof, that would be I interesting. I can't think of any. But somebody out there might prove me wrong. <laughs> 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 this a
1: picture, like this is them stormbringer, I <laughs> don't
0: <laughs> I want to hear uh, Mother Love Bone doing. Maybe I'm a Leo.
1: That's a little too deep for me.
0: <laughs> I can see again why they wouldn't put this a 10 minute instrumental is pushing it.
1: Well yeah I mean it's it's good, but I mean like you're gonna you're gonna lose everybody
0: about now. Yeah there's some uh, there's some songs that we've covered that like we would start the vocals up now. <laughs> you won't know almost even wouldn't know that there were vocals in the song. I mean it's a very simple I mean, they had this really great chord progression. It's probably this they intended to go someplace else with it and it never got there, so they just figured, let's just release the jam. We're at the halfway mark here. <laughs> Oof. So, it's, yeah, I'd say... As much as I like this, it's a great thing to have on, it's a great vibe to have on in the background. And you know, to clo- even to close out the album is not a bad thing to close out the instrumental, but yeah, I feel I feel like even for an instrumental, it needs to kinda go somewhere. And it's it's credited only to Blackmore. Hmm, but still it would be nice to see Lord doing a little more in this. I get it's his song, but. different it's giving me a lot of opportunities to eat my pumpkin bread and <laughs> hear that delay and echo on, on the snare there I think of the two Moorcock-based songs, I'm gonna to have to lean towards Stormbringer. <laughs> John's thinking he's not sure. <laughs> <laughs> John John has I'm gone a into hype. a fugue state. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even he's not even responding to direct call-outs.
1: Why, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, what?
0: Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm saying of the two, of the two songs based on Moorcock mythology, I'm going to lean towards the Stormbringer as being the better of the two. Oh, yeah, of course. But they're going to this, like, little cool, like, dynamic part here, too, but it it's like, there's two minutes left in the song. Like, it sounds like it's, it sounds like they're winding down, but... Again, you can see why this wasn't put it on. It's a great little jam, great vibe, but yeah, not, not an album essential, I would say. I think when people are, I think generally when they put like, I, I almost never listen to bonus tracks. I I will just listen to the Like if they have like deluxe remastered edition, I'm just like, give me the vanilla plain Jane. No frills one, even if it sounds worse and it's not remixed, because I just don't want to hear. I don't want to listen to a full album and then hear like six demos at the end or whatever. You know, whatever they put on, you know, it's mm-hmm. interesting, but I don't want to listen to it every time. And uh, yeah, I I, I I can see this one. I think people get excited. Oh my god, this is a bonus track from the Perfect Stranger session that no one's heard before. It's gonna be great. And then you get it, and you're like, oh, that's kind of. It's just an. It's just kind of an instrumental jam. It's cool. Yeah. But you're, you're expecting another like Like if they just re- If they t- right now were like hey we found Three more tracks From the Machine Head sessions uh, We're going to release a special Machine Head edition a Mich- Machine Head 51st anniversary or whatever And we're going to include these tracks People will be like oh my god I can't believe it Tracks from that session and generally just going to be like Oh I can see why these didn't make the album I would have, I would have, oh, is that Pace yelling? A very like kind of haphazard ending.
1: (laughs) There you go. That was pretty good. It's what I would call a mood piece.
0: Yeah. It is, it is a mood piece. You know, you put it on in the background, sets the tone. Light some candles. Get out, get out your bath salts <laughs> and your vanilla <laughs> body scrub. <laughs> Just listen. If I walk, my wife was taking a bath listening to this. I'd be like, Have you lost your mind? <laughs> <laughs> it's You're, very soothing. Yeah, she's usually like listening to a podcast or something. <laughs> Not our podcast, though, so that's why I can talk about this. Mm. Um, okay, so the next uh, track up is another uh, worse quality, but shorter, <laughs> um, more of an outtake uh, off of a bootleg. This one was called of oh, what was it? It was called a, uh, Blackmore by Request. It was a bootleg that circulated in like the early '90s, and it had this one on it, which is called Cosmic Jazz. And Blackmore request. Blackmore request. <laughs> so this this is definitely more of a. Sounds like jazz. And this is also from The Perfect Strangers. Time. It gives you a glimpse into what it would be like if Blackmore recorded a jazz fusion album. No. <laughs> John's already cashing his chips in. <laughs> nope.
1: Yeah, Blackmore can do a lot of things, but... I don't know if, like, actual jazz is one of them. I think that's where maybe Tommy Bolin had him beat. He's throwing some cool things in there. So, a little... little yeah, co- you know what? Richie's style is just too too recognizable. Like, sometimes all you can hear is just like, all right, this just sounds like Richie attempting jazz, not like, this sounds like jazz. I don't know. But I'm also not a big fan of, like, hardcore jazz where
0: it's like... (laughs) Do you like it more or less than grunge? Uh...
1: I would I would at least put this on in the background because
0: I'm not offended by it. What about if What about if Eddie Vedder <laughs> released a jazz album?
1: <laughs> that, I don't even would know what it would sound like. Would you rather
0: listen to Eddie Vedder releasing a jazz album or Charlie Parker releasing a grunge album?
1: <laughs> Is there some kind of third option where <laughs> I could like
0: be dead? You could stick ice picks in your ears. <laughs> Yeah, but this one is. A- it gets a little easier after this one. This track's a little challenging to listen to. Well,
1: yeah, this definitely sounds like hey, we're experimenting. Right,
0: we're trying to be out there.
1: Like no, so, so- we had no intent. We had no intention of releasing this. Oh,
0: no, we we had no idea the tapes were rolling. <laughs> But I don't know if this was from like the studio or, I mean, it sounds, it's not live. Like you can't hear any crowd or anything. It's supposedly from the sessions, but it's probably just I'm screwing around. Cause the, whatever the engineer was like, Hey, I got to run a few cables. Like, give me, give me, give me five minutes. And they're like, all right, we'll just screw around. And, and Blackmore will intentionally try to be like sort of discordant and I guess the real test would be like if we played this for you would you even recognize it as being Deep Purple? I think the answer is probably no.
1: I wouldn't accept for Richie's guitar. You think so? Maybe not here so much, but at the beginning it definitely like I definitely felt like okay, I feel like this is Richie Doing something like not really in character for Richie.
0: I think I'd have the best luck with Lord's Oregon, but even then, I don't think with this surrounding it, I'd have any idea what it was. like drumsticks flying all over the place. (laughs) So yeah, kind of a mess, but a fun little piece of, of history there.
1: I mean, yeah, interesting.
0: So we're going in chronological order here. So after uh, this album is released, they go on tour and their first show is in Sydney, Australia. And there is a pretty Poor quality video, but a a great historic document of, of something we've talked about, um, many, many times on the show. Um, and if you are, uh, if you are listening, you've, I'm sure seen the pictures from, I think, I don't know where they first were shown, but, but they became kind of popular through, uh, gillen's a biography where there's a picture of him with george harrison with the sock over his over his johnson if you want to call it that um so you know which picture i'm talking to talking about of course we all know we know the picture it's a it's a common picture so um so yeah so we've got that one and it's of course they were um playing the show and george harrison for whatever reason was in sydney at the time and he got up on stage and played with them so the pictures of course uh which i can i can show you for the for those few people who haven't seen them uh there's gillen completely naked except for (laughs) the sock george harrison just kind of pointing at him like who the hell is this guy and then uh john lord kind of leaning in like a like a like a weird sasquatch. Um and I know we've talked about it on the show. I forget who the gentleman is on the right, but I know we've we've mentioned this before in this picture. There is uh, I don't know if it's before or after the show, there's George Harrison and Ian Pace in a limo together. Um and then for some reason some of these aren't working. There's uh Glover, Gillen, and Lord backstage. I'm gonna assume this is after the show. Um look like they're having a good time. You've got um pictures of them on, on, on stage. There's Gillen and, uh, uh, Gillen and Harrison on stage. And then Richie, um, Richie playing with, with, uh, George Harrison, which in and of itself is a pretty rare scene. You don't see Richie Blackmore sharing the stage with a guitarist very often. Um, there's that one where I think he jumped on stage with Gillen and with Bernie Torme. Um, uh, there's another one where, uh, I know when, 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 uh, Turner was in Rainbow apparently you know he would play guitar sometimes live but pretty rare that he shares the stage with the guitar player um, but here we go we'll kind of check out this, uh, this great uh, video and you can find this on YouTube of the uh, band jamming with George Harrison so where the heck is it it is oh my goodness somebody's trying to break in my basement upstairs Why can I not find? Oh, here it is.
3: You to so. one from few this evening? On the. What's your name? What's Arnold Grove.
2: Arnold from Liverpool. Arnold
0: Okay. He introduces himself as Arnold Grove from Liverpool. <laughs> Oh, Gillen's saying he's he a fan that won a prize to be able to come up there and play with them hmm. and they're gonna play Lucille the classic Gil, uh, the classic deep purple uh, encore number but I wonder how many people in the audience could like tell this is like before the days of the jumbotron so I wonder how many people could tell that that was George Harrison his voice is pretty oh. distinctive when he says I'm Arnold Grove. That's a terrible George Harrison impression. <laughs> it's slightly better than your Obama, but not much better.
1: <laughs> but he doesn't even like, I mean, I've seen a lot of pictures of George Harrison. He looked, he he, he was not a handsome man around this time. <laughs> I, mean, I don't he think he was in general, but I mean, it's just like he looked really, I don't know, he looked really gangly or something. a pretty gangly guy. He had his moments.
0: You know, maybe it's because he had no mustache. Yeah, you like mustachioed George Harrison the best?
1: Yeah, or like stubbly George Harrison.
0: So, Richie points at George Harrison. George Harrison's doing a solo, taking the first solo. So, you got to imagine like It just, to me, it's like when you see these pictures, like the pictures I showed earlier, like Ian Pace in the car with George Harrison, it's just like, he's like grinning, like he never smiles in pictures. It's just, they're like in the presence of, even for somebody, at this point, Deep Purple is like the biggest band in the world. I think they were, in this tour or this year or whatever, I think they were only outsold by like Bruce Springsteen or something as far as concert sales or whatever it was, But absolutely huge, but still just being in awe of being in the presence of George Harrison. And for Richie to just give the first, he won't even give a solo to John Lord, but he's given a solo to George Harrison. But then Gillen points at Lord and gives him a solo. But he's going by the name Arnold Grove because that's the that's the name of the street that he grew up on.
1: <laughs> I like that. I'm Arnold Grove. Usually I, mean, I can do
0: <laughs> usually I can do a better Beatle than that. <laughs> I know like there's that that, that there's that um Paul Paul McCartney always kind of talked down to George Harrison when they're in the Beatles because he was Paul McCartney was nine months older than him. Yeah. And you know, like when you're whatever 15 or something, that's like a big deal. But there's like a there's like an interview with George Harrison from like the mid 90s or something where he's like he's talking about Paul's older than me. He's he's like he's like he's nine he's like he was nine months older than me. He still is. <laughs> is they're like in their f- 50s or whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize for my George Harrison impression. Sure. Now I'm under. The, I'm getting in my own head about it. I can't do it at all. <laughs> I could do. I could do Paul a little better. He's a little. He's a little
1: more free. You know. He's I'm bit <laughs> happy. <laughs> all right, this is geeky Beatles humor. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> That's nothing to get.
0: It's just a bad impression. <laughs> yeah, but it just sounds like a British accent. It's, it's a little Liverpudlian accent. It's a little different. <laughs> Liver what? Liverpudlian? Liverpudlian. What the hell are my kids doing up there?
1: Well, whatever they're doing, your noise filters are blocking them out pretty well.
0: I hope so. It's like,
1: Dad's recording
0: a show. Let's take a hammer and bang it on the floor directly above his head. (laughs) (laughs) They they are, the, the children are not patrons of the show. funny thing is about like George Harrison like he really only kind of became because I think he was neighbors with John Lord or something or or John Lord Andy and Pacers so he didn't really know them from the music he knew them like these are my neighbors and they happen to be in like a huge rock band oh and I I know there's like an interview with him somewhere too where he's talking about like he didn't even like I didn't even realize they were you know I didn't know what kind of music they played or whatever but then I listened to they're pretty good (laughs) you know they're good musicians (laughs) It's amazing that there's this video footage of it. unfortunately it's probably maybe the one of the worst angles possible, but Yeah. Because <laughs> that could just be a guy in a wig that's George Harrison, you never see his face.
1: <laughs> yeah, that could be what do you say his name was? Jim Ar- Arnold. Puggins? Oh. Would you just call him Jim Pickens?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jim Puggins? <laughs> no, that's Liverpudlian. treat for the sydney audience to to get to see this and there's like a huge energy it's it's great seeing that uh, energy seeing them playing together again
1: i feel like they're really like dragging this song out
0: though oh yeah <laughs> well they're like george Haston sale, let's have a good time let's make you turn it into a real jam
1: sure But I mean, you know, there's only so many times I can hear I woke up this morning. Burp, 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 burp. It's like
0: <laughs> I had enough. Well, I think it's uh, yeah. And the original is probably like two minutes and 35 seconds or something. <laughs> but, you know, like we've talked about on the show before, these guys just can't get enough of bring bringing up a song from like the 50s and be, and, and reliving it, you know.
1: It's from a long time ago.
0: I mean, it would be like if we were in a band and we started playing, like, I don't know, what the hell would we play from our childhood? I guess. Probably like some, we'd probably play some like shitty Motley Crue song. Although I guess it's different now because there's so much more. I mean, people obviously still loved that stuff, but there's so much more. Nostalgia is so much stickier now. So you know, like like if we played like Motley Crue, people would probably be like, like even like kids would be like, "Oh yeah, my mom played this record," or I I saw like mm. some reality show about them or whatever. You know, it yeah. it would be a little different. We'd have to go like with a deep cut, like a song by like Scatterbrain or something. <laughs> Good luck with that one.
2: Mm.
0: So anyway, that kind of uh, rounds out the. Uh, uh, that stuff. Now, there's one other thing. So, interestingly, when we did our show on uh, House of Blue Light, uh, one of the most talked about moments of the show was when we we reviewed the song Mad Dog uh, yeah. because it had. That's when John Lord played that solo that sounded like a, an angry robot or an insane <laughs> robot or whatever we said. Um, so, uh, Jeff Bryce actually reached out to me afterwards and said, "Hey, um, interesting fact: they only ever played that song live once." in the whole history of Deep Purple and it was at the show in Portland, Maine in 1987 like, and I just mm. happen to have a copy of it because I think we mentioned in it something about like how the synthesizer sounds on it would, were just crazy because it sounded like an insane robot so we were like I wonder if this would sound a little better live well now is our opportunity this is the only time Deep Purple ever played Mad Dog live, Portland, Maine not too far from you, here we go
1: That says Portland, Oregon.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, Portland, Oregon.
1: So a little further from me.
0: <laughs> I thought he said Maine in his. Uh... Well, it's possible this bootleg got it wrong, <laughs> but it's also possible that. Uh...
1: Well, it's in. It's one of the. It's in one of the Portlands.
0: I can clarify this in very quickly. Yeah, it's Portland, Maine. They got it wrong. I think a lot of people hear hear Portland and get the... uh, And and just automatically think Oregon. But Portland, Maine is amazing. If you haven't been, you got to go check it out. They got the... It's the Civic Center. They got that part. The uh, the Cumberland County Civic Center. Joan Jett opened for them. Hmm. Why they never played it live again? I don't. I don't know.
1: I don't really think it works.
0: Here's the solo.
1: It sounds like he went with a more traditional sounding solo. It sounded
0: like it was like a a piano and an organ playing in unison. (laughs) Amazing they go through all the trouble of making this really nice album art for this bootleg and then totally biff where the show actually was. (laughs) Put some nice thought into it. But not as much like a crazy robot. You're not thinking this works live? No. Not really. Well, you probably, the band must agree with you because they never did it again. maybe just it was too hard to had to push a, push out a lot of other good stuff from the it seemed like they had a pretty good set that night nothing super surprising in the set though whoa <laughs> that's some crazy uh Crazy feedback after that. <laughs> I love the, things you I love the audience and bootlegs. Legs. Clearly, that was a big mad. Du- that guy was very disappointed. I can't wait to hear them play this for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> Every other subsequent show. God, it'd be great if he was like sitting right next to us at like in like St. Petersburg and be like, "Damn it, they didn't play it. Any- I thought for sure this would be the one. They bring it back." 35 years later, (laughs) this is going to be the, now that McBride's in the band, I know he's a big Mad Dog fan, we're going to get it.
1: (laughs) The one song, I can't wait to hear it for years to come. (laughs) I'm sure that's what he was thinking. He's the one. It was like, what was that other
0: bootleg that we heard where somebody was like, I mean, there's (laughs) a lot of them. (laughs) It was, um, was there's a few episodes. It was a child in time one, I think. (laughs) The guy's like losing his mind. (laughs) <laughs> there was somebody that posted something, somebody posted on Twitter the other day about oh, I wish I could find the exact tweet, but it would take me forever to find it. But they they was said they went to some concert. I forget can't forget who it was. Let's say let's say it was uh, uh Bruce Springsteen and they're like I'm at you know I'm at a Bruce C- Springsteen concert right now and every time he, oh no it was Billy Joel. And he's like, I'm at a Billy Joel concert right now. And every time he he starts playing another song, the guy next to me loses his shit as if he can't believe. It's like, oh, my God, he's playing another Billy Joel song. <laughs> <laughs> you can just imagine, like, just this guy going nuts. Oh, my God. Piano man, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> this this is insane. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. What? <laughs> Never would have thought. Oh. Uh. <laughs> but some people at concerts are like that I mean in fact yeah. I was I was sitting next to that guy lazy <laughs> he just lost his mind when they played lazy like they've played it probably like 900 times <laughs> uh, yeah well you know I mean in the, in the moment
1: you know it's like they get so excited but then you hear back I mean I wonder if they like like if you played it back to them they'd be like wow man yeah I was on one <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think, like with something like Mad Dog, I think you could. Oh, it's the new album, and I really dug that track. I think you could get into it. But like, you know, for a, like when they bust out "Smoke on the Water," it's like, yeah, I, I get the applause. But like, you're gonna lose your mind. Like, are you expecting them to leave that one out? It's not gonna happen. <laughs> I didn't think they were gonna play it. <laughs> they, they really, they really delivered tonight. Um, all right. So speaking of deliver, you know who else really delivers? Ooh, it's our patrons. Specifically at the core level, coming in at the $7.77 keep it warm rat tier, we have Michael Vader. At the $6.99 new nice price tier, we have Fielding Fowler. At the episode $6.66 tier, Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith, Anton Glaving. At the $6.65 almost evil tier, we have Kenny Wymore. At the $5.99 nice price tier... Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford, and Carl Helberg. And at the $5 Money Lender tier, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Elman, Alexi the Perfect Stranger Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Zwopper the Electric Alchemist, Tim Southern Cross Johnson, Percival Frequency, and Scott Zerns. Thank you to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple podcast. All right. Well, next up, we've got a track that... Um, I've I know both of us have heard it quite a few times. And this one was on Perfect Strangers. I'm sorry, Nobody's Perfect. <laughs> not perfect stranger, we're not going backwards. Uh but was first released as a single, and that is their re recording jam of Hush. That starts, of <laughs> course, with a <laughs> doodle doo. Because why not? Gillen wants that rooster to shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right. yeah. So a very modernized version. They've kind of gone back to the old classic version now, but this is very 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Is John Lord even doing, like, the percussive thing on this? Oh, I guess he is, yeah. Okay. A little bit. It almost sounded like maybe he was, like, raking the strings of the guitar instead.
1: was cool to hear a different take
0: on it. A lot of people have a lot of harsh opinions about this album in this version of Hush. But again, this was a this was an early entry point for me for Deep Purple, so I, I think of it fondly.
3: Hush, I I
0: Hush,
3: heart, but, say- but
0: it's interesting because it's like, it was recorded live. So it's got that feel, like he's not, you know, he's missing some beats and stuff and not like delivering everything perfectly. So it's got, it's got a great live feel to it. And I think, I can't remember where I read it, but I think they wanted to do something like to modernize it a little bit and make it, make it more their own versus the, cause they had never rec- recorded it as a Mark II. them decide to go back to kind of bringing it back to the 60s. Well, I mean, they probably weren't going to, you know,
1: re-record Smoke on the Water, so... Uh, maybe they were... Maybe that point where they're just like, in, in between albums, they needed something to kind of keep things alive, revitalize them. Right. You know, let's, let's do our first biggest hit
0: I mean, I wonder why they, after this, didn't kind of keep it modernized. Like, why did they, because right now the way they play it sounds like the way they played it in the 60s.
1: Hmm. Well, maybe it's part of that going backwards type thing. I mean, uh, they, they, you know, uh, turning to crime and, you know, that was a lot of 60s songs. So, yeah. you know, maybe they're in that mode.
0: Everyone's always in the mode for nostalgia. All right, so next up, we, we're, we're into the JLT era, baby, uh, which is kind of where we'll remain for the rest of this. Because um, unfortunately, there's really not much other than, like, the Battle of Slaves and Masters, which is really just a bunch of demos and stuff like that, so I know that we necessarily had to get into that, but um, although there is something here that's from that. Um, but this is uh, an outtake from Slaves and Masters, And this one is, uh, we've talked about this on the episode before, years ago. But uh, this is, we we talked about John Lord not getting his due. Well, he finally gets it on this song. And this was, uh, you'll probably laugh when the uh, album art comes up. But this was the B-side to Love Conquers All single. And this was Slow Down Sister that didn't end up on the album. And of course, it didn't put up the right album art. (laughs) Because there's nothing. You know what? You know what? I'm not going to stand for that. I'm going to I'm going to get the right album art because (laughs) (laughs) it's even though this isn't happening. No. Yeah. No, it's no. It's a great even though if you're listening to this audio wise, you're not going to see it and maybe it will um, provoke you to go search it out because I think it's it's definitely worth um, in fact, maybe I'll freeze it because I think we need to talk about it because it's so um, it's so notable. Um if I can find where the hell my freaking album art is i will I will here it is um I will try to take care of this right away Let's see if I can do this all right i'm gonna I'm gonna put this up on the screen and see if we can see if we can get this album art here properly there we go okay uh, you know I, I really wish this thing didn't do that sometimes but it it does uh, so here we go so there's the album art so <laughs> we <laughs> So we've seen we've seen Glenn Hughes coming out of the room just kind of with his saying, hey, let's take the picture. And this is just this is a woman with a an obviously fake deep purple logo tattoo a, a perfect strangers slash slaves and masters era. Deep purple tattoo wearing like a purple. It looks like she's wearing purple curtains. It's They're probably satin <laughs> sheets because she just got done with a. For, with a long a long night of lovemaking with jlt and you know you know that guy's rocking some satin sheets and oh yeah so this and she's standing in front of these two slatted doors like she's and, she, and there's like a blue foggy room beyond her so i think she's, that covers like, it.
1: she's giving you that look like you comin'.
0: <laughs> and, and, and like slow down, sister. So here we go. Here's the here's the track, the B side for this. So this would find its way into the 2013 CD release of Slave and Masters. I love the, I love John Lord's parts on this song.
1: Like that, it's a heavy riff. And Lord even came in doing that. Yep. There's gotta be a name for that. You know what I mean? It's like, what's the technique where he goes, wow.
0: <laughs>
1: How do you spell that so I can Google it?
0: But this is like proper John Lord organ sounds. Everything you'd want from John Lord, you get out of this song.
1: definitely a jlt title
0: very jlt and and just delivery this is this has got his stamp all over it oh yeah his tramp stamp as it may be (laughs) yeah if if this had been um if this had come out in 2001 she would have had the dp tattoo on the lower back DP tattoo is like way off too it's like off to the like it's too far in the back yeah, I of was her gonna arm. say
1: it's not it's
0: not centered <laughs> bothers <laughs> they me doing a really bad job I hope it was temporary <laughs> I mean you gotta Center that on the on the side of the shoulder right I mean yeah you should <laughs> Yeah, you gotta, we'll the have more the, I look we'll, at it, the more it bothers me. <laughs> we'll have this picture in the show notes, but you gotta look it up if you haven't seen it. So here comes John Lord Solo. coming back in. It's a little too menacing for the subject matter, but I, I always love that solo.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good, a good way of putting it, menacing.
0: It's just like a typical JLT love song, so it shouldn't be like...
1: Uh, a menacing solo.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like a very... Um, the solo just sounds very like, like sincere and like powerful, you know. This pre-chorus is a killer, though. I love it. There's so much like nonsense JLT lyrics like you burn burn burnin' at the speed of light. Like what does that mean? I love it. and
1: we have nonsense JLT. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, those organ those stabs that he's doing are so great. You know one of the interesting lines that I might not pick up on is he says uh you're a non-stop party you're a butterfly ball so It's like is that hmm. in- it had to be intentional right it's like there's no way that he just like threw that in there because it's not like a thing that people say oh that's such a butterfly ball <laughs> it's not an expression I mean, that's,
1: that's what we say
0: <laughs> not even we <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I think the words butterfly and ball together, like come out of our mouths more than like 90% of the average
0: population. I I, I think 90% is a low estimate, but yes, I agree. (laughs) 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 Which was, yeah, it had
1: to, it had to have been intentional. Come on. Yeah.
0: It's just weird. There's a lot of like, it's, it's a lot of lyrics on this one. We say something. What does he say about the machine gun? Where is it? Oh, that's it's a classic line oh machine gun love gonna shoot to thrill oh boy <laughs> machine gun love rat tat tat rat tat tat I never hesitate to put JLT on his back alright so that's that. so I gotta just say I love that song that's pretty it, good yeah. it's my favorite song on Slaves of Masters and it's not on Slaves of Masters I've always loved it I wish it was on the album like I could probably I would probably replace any song on that album with Slow Down Sister cuz I think it's a great it's it's shocking to me that that wouldn't end up on the album cuz to me it's better than every other song on the album and you've I got mean, a, there's no guitar solo but you've got a proper great like his not only his organs during the song great but his solo is really cool and interesting it's a synth but it's like really uh just it's just interesting it's it's really really well done track
1: I mean, it fits in, I think it fits in with most of the rest of the album. I mean, it just kind of oh, shows yeah. you even more like how it really wasn't the purple sound. Yeah. But still, still good. Nonetheless, the song.
0: So John, have you ever seen the movie fire ice and dynamite? No. Featuring Roger Moore. And some other people. (laughs) Well, this is the movie (laughs) poster. Definitely not. This is the movie poster for it. Um, The greatest race on earth for the richest prize in history. So it's a Roger Moore movie. It's uh, it's got a, it's got a guy on skis like skiing, but he's got like rocket boosters on his skis and he's like flying into the air. And there's like just all this shit blowing up all over the place. A guy in a motorcycle doing a wheelie, a monster truck crushing cars. I don't know if all this happens in the movie, but I hope it does. <laughs> um, But I think maybe we'll have to do a special episode on this movie sometime. But um, here's the back of the box. Roger Moore is Sir George and Shari Belafonte is Serena, his beautiful assistant in this thrill-packed comedy filled with some of the most spectacular sports action ever filmed. Sir George is a powerful financier with a crumbling fortune who devises an ingenious plan to foil his creditors. He fakes his suicide and leaves instructions that his fortune be awarded to the winner of the Megathon, the greatest race in the world, featuring many unusual events like skating down a bobsled Run while wearing while water kayaking, down mountain biking, and more. What? Why, oh, white, white water, water. White Sorry. water Whitewater kayaking. Yeah. Sorry, it's it's uh, bad. Uh, they should have lowered the contrast on that background. Defending his estate are his three loving children a daughter and two sons who have never met each other until now. One is a rock musician, the second is a stockbroker, and the third a hairdresser. All are non-athletes, but that is not about to stop them from going for the gold. All they need is a sporting chance. That looks like 105 minutes of fun right there. But why am I bringing this up? Well, of course. Yes, why? Because (laughs) You don't know? Well, because the uh, soundtrack features the title track on the soundtrack, which is um, the song Fire, Ice, and Dynamite by um, Deep Purple. So, uh, without further ado, uh, let's get into the bonus track. I'm sorry, not the bonus track, but let's get into the the soundtrack for Fire, Ice, and Dynamite. This is uh, by Deep Purple, and here we go, I think. Here we go. Son of a... <laughs> stupid, stupid freaking album art is going to drive me insane. I don't. <laughs> Understand what is wrong with this program. All right, here we go Fire, Ice, and Dynamite off of the Fire, Ice, and Dynamite soundtrack. So, interestingly, I have it on authority that John Lord did not play the keys on this and Ian Pace did not play the drums. What?
1: So, it's not Deep Purple. Oh,
0: yeah, well, be- well, it's Glover, JLT, and Blackmore.
1: Yeah, I can tell it's not EM Pace. No, you made you made a mistake here this is not fire ice and dynamite it's willie bogner's fire
0: ice and dynamite (laughs) i mean i thought that one without saying featuring deep purple jennifer rush roger chapman bonnie tyler isaac hayes and two people i've never heard of and moses p i wonder who moses p is
1: was a um when i went to that uh that antiques thing the other week uh, or this past week hey, thanks for making was, the um, time to record
0: with me tonight i thought you'd welcome. be out antiquing
1: <laughs> but there was um you know bins of records and of course they're listed by artist and yeah. my favorite was is that a lot of them it was they just said like elvis p <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, all right, I mean, you have, like, maybe one or two other Elvises out there, like Elvis Costello, right? But I mean, like, 99% of the time when you see Elvis, what do you think?
0: Oh, man, I hope they have some Elvis Parker records. (laughs) (laughs) I've been looking everywhere for that guy.
1: But you just have all the other band names, and you just have Elvis P. (laughs) It's like, oh, good, I just didn't want to confuse him with the other 12 Elvises that are out there. (laughs)
0: So I'm being told that the the drums are actually a drum machine using Ian Pace samples, which to me, it sounds really good for a drum machine. I have a hard time believing it's a drum machine listening to this. I have a hard time believing
1: that they would go to that much trouble to sample Ian Pace when they could have just had Ian Pace
0: do it. Well, he, apparently he and Lord were in Europe, and they, they got a call, and they were like, hey, you want to do this? Uh, Movie soundtrack and like sure. I don't want to see the movie and see what what part this song is. It like over the closing credits. Is it is it while that guy is skateboarding with the rockets? That guy that's about to basically have his <laughs> legs blown off his body.
1: Yeah, he's doing like a friggin'. David Lee Roth, uh, you know, yeah. style split. split right there, man, with some rockets on his heels. I mean, that's. Seems dangerous. That's pretty w- wild shit. And he's probably like 50 feet up in the air.
0: This was not Roger Moore's uh, probably finest moment.
1: See. A photo of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: how about a uh it was
1: actually pretty good yeah you like it i mean uh when, when did that movie come out was it 80s or was mm, it early 90s 90, i think i mean it had a real i mean no surprise jlt had a huge hand in this plus he was singing it Right. I mean, had a real kind of eighties anthemic type of uh feeling to it, especially with the those canned drums or drum machine or a real drummer that's not Ian Pace or whatever. But I yep. mean it's um it's actually pretty good. I mean, I I don't know if I'd call it deep purple, but I mean it's it's cool that three of the guys were in it.
0: We talked about um, in our Slaves and Masters episode about how Lord was, he was off in Europe touring in Europe with Tony Ashton and Peter York and those guys uh, because there was just basically like, there was some downtime and he went off to do that. So that's why. Glover is the, the the debate was like, did John Lord refuse to do it because it was so garbage <laughs> or or did he um, or, or was he just not available? And it was that he was it doesn't sound like John Lord, like like if Blackmore is like on board and John Lord be like, no, I'm not doing that. That would be very rare. Um, but it, it sounds like he just wasn't available and they, they were on a really tight deadlines so, deadline. So they threw this together. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ro- Roger Glover is quoted as saying, fire, ice and dynamite was a movie project that was offered to us. John and Ian Pace were not in the States at the time and weren't interested. Richie wanted to do it, so we used a riff idea of his that the band didn't want. Joe wrote some words, and I constructed it uh, in the studio playing keyboards and drum machine. It was at a bad time in the band's history, and we were probably at our most dysfunctional. I haven't heard it in decades, but I don't think it's any good.
1: <laughs> so, Come on, man.
0: John's liking it. I like that. It's my stuff. All right. Sorry, man. It's my jam. Well, dang, next time next time we're hanging out with Roger, you can let him know, hey, man, really hurt me what you said about Fire, Ice, and Dynamite. And he'll be like, fire yep. what and who? <laughs> he'll be like, what? Oh, what that st- What? and Dynamite? Oh, that, uh, that stupid Roger Moore movie? What?
1: Why are you bringing this up? It, even, if he re- even if he remembers that much, it would probably be amazing.
0: Do you want to see the trailer? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's why not has nothing to do with Deeper. Well, very little to do with Deeper. Let's check out the trailer for Fire, Ice, and Dynamite.
3: From the stunt director of the James Bond (laughs) action director Willie Wagner presents Fire, Ice, and Dynamite. We are in a classic negative cash flow situation. Sir George, it appears, is skating on thin ice. His fortune is dwindling. All we're trying to say is that we've got some pretty hefty partners that want out. His creditors are screaming, and his are
2: numbered. Eight all our Yikes! All properties,
0: companies, corporations, banks, and institutions, investment portfolios, and cash deposits are bequeathed to the Megathon Foundation.
3: Uh, well, what do you mean? What's that? Hey. Let me explain about the Megathon Foundation. The fact is, it is a bona fide registered charity dedicated sporting endeavors. All of you who have a claim against my estate are entitled to
0: enter. But with one... It looks like looks like kind of like an <laughs> early Squid Games. <laughs> you show all these people competing in these Dynamite, things. A thrill-packed comedy filled with some of the most spectacular sports action ever filmed. I like how they drop in like 75% the way through the trailer that it's a comedy. They're like, what? Well, it doesn't look like a comedy. No. Oh, there he is with the with the Rockets on his skis. So this movie was just filmed using like 90% of the cast was stuntmen. Films for
3: your eyes <laughs> only okay. a view to a kill and Octopussy with Sherry Belafonte from Hotel and Murder by the Numbers. Fire. OK. Dynamite from Best Drawn Video.
0: Who's Sherry Belafonte? Yeah, Sherry. Sure. Is she related to Harry Belafonte? They're
1: just like screen legend Roger Moore and some hoe. <laughs> I don't know. She is. She's the I daughter no of Harry Belafonte. It is. is it?
0: Yeah. Sorry. Actress, model.
1: She's Sorry, 66. I didn't. I didn't
0: mean that. So Sherry, any Sherry Belafonte fans? Go, uh, go after John.
1: Sorry, she's not just some hoe. She's the. Oh no! I'm She's kidding. The, uh, um, I'm gonna stop. I don't want to get canceled.
0: <laughs> we calling her some hoe. Is definitely gonna get you canceled.
1: Well, um, Sorry.
0: I'll I'll put out a posting. I'll put I'll, I'll start stapling up things to the uh to the uh, telephone poles with like little tear tabs at the bottom. Want <laughs> looking for a co-host for a podcast on Deep Purple? Please take a tab below. Call this well, number
1: are we sure that this movie like was the 90s because everything about it screamed like early 80s. Well, it was like, but
0: it was 1990 so it, you know like it, the whole thing was conceived and written and filmed probably let's see fire ice and dynamite i'm sure it came out i'm sure everything about it, it besides the release date was the well it came out in late 1990 so i don't know how long it took to uh
1: but, I mean, still, it feels like it was, like, it looks like a movie from, like, 85 or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I
0: think it's just poor quality. <laughs> They're probably yeah, using old tape, but anyway. There you go. Interesting. I'll never watch it. Um, <laughs> I would definitely watch that. If I could get my hands on a copy, I would watch it. Me and Paul used to go searching out movies like that. You know, we would go to the, you know, the, the blockbuster and just w- look for the worst movie we could possibly find. If we had seen that, we would have rented it in a heartbeat.
1: Oh yeah, I know that. I mean, I used to do the same thing, but I mean, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to waste my time on stuff that's
0: ridiculous. Yeah, as you get older, your time is a little more precious. You're like, yeah, hey. you're like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be dead one day. I don't want <laughs> to waste any time watching Fire, Ice, and Dynamite. <laughs> I mean, not unless there
1: was, like, some redeeming quality about it. Like, I mean, if it really was hilarious or something, or I don't know.
0: I mean, it's funny. They just drop in there, oh, by the way, it's a comedy. I'm like, there was not a single thing in the entire trailer that... Was a joke or looked funny in any way other than unintentionally funny. They're all like, oh, this greatest sports action ever filmed. Look at this truck go over the snowbank and blow up and all this sort of stuff. I mean, and there's like, they're talking about like, it's a great comedy. And they show a guy like hang gliding under a bridge. <laughs> 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 like, if you have to tell people it's a comedy, it's probably not a great comedy. Mm, yeah. Um, anyway, that's Fire, Ice, and Dynamite, folks. Um, thank you for indulging us. All right. So, we got just a few more quick ones, but uh, one of them is a live performance in London, March 16th, 1990. Uh, so, we got uh, a couple of uh, covers and a, and a brief covers, but this is um, JLT Mark V, Deep Purple, doing um, Whiter Shade of Pale. And I just, just, I just selected this picture of JLT reading a magazine because I didn't have any art for this. So, guys <laughs> <laughs> are Jesus.
3: It's like you motherfuckers better play Speed King.
0: This guy's yelling for Speed King. <laughs> what he doesn't know is he's about to get whiter shade of pale. <laughs>
3: No,
1: this isn't Speed King. <laughs> oh, now he's on board. Woo! He's
0: like, oh yeah, I love this jam. Or maybe he's just so drunk he thinks this is Speed King. <laughs> Wait, it's kind of sounds like it could be the um, the way he's playing the organ could sound like the the beginning of like the the full length like UK release Speed King. A classic track. I don't know I've heard a. Is it, is it the Gardo that hates the song? I know somebody hates the song a lot. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe he'll like JLT singing it. I don't hear any guitar. So you know they were saying, "Hey, bear with us, we're having something." So maybe Richie was having a problem with his guitar and they're like, hey, let's just do this while he gets his guitar thing figured out. Mm-hmm. Oh, there comes some guitar, so he's like, so they're probably like, okay, you're good? All right, let's go into something else now. Very, very uh, brief version of that. This guy's probably gonna be like, "All right, speaking!" There you go. Oh man, I thought he was gonna be like,
1: <laughs>
2: "Yeah, I love speaking. That was great." <laughs>
0: um. Okay, so here we go. This one is so. Roger Glover and JLT were on Rockline in 1990, and they ended up performing King of Dreams Acoustic. So this is a kind of a rare performance of a a rare unplugged Deep Purple. They never performed on MTV Unplugged, uh, but this is them unplugged on Rockline, just the two of them. There's a picture of them not from 1990. Sort of
3: the unplugged version. (laughs) On Rockline. So let's have a go at it, Raj, will you?
0: Raj. Maybe they asked Rich- Richie, will you do this with us? No, I won't do that. Okay. Roger? Mm-hmm.
3: It doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong, it really doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't matter if you like my song As long as you can hear me singing Ca I'm the thorn and every little girl's rose. You know I could but never bleed.
0: really well acoustic this sounds great so Roger Glover's playing guitar and from our from our lunch date with Roger earlier this year I don't know how to play this song but I can guarantee you there's one chord that's not in this song
3: you'll always win and never (laughs)
0: you remember what chord it is? I don't. It's the F. Well, there's no F chord, and even without looking it up, I can tell you there's no F chord in King of Dreams by Deep Purple.
3: I'm
0: looking it up right now. Of course, it's going to say there's an F chord in there, and he lied to us.
3: (laughs) Well,
0: there's no F chord. Roger Glover was a man of his word. He does play a D with an F sharp in the bass. That's as close as he gets. Deep Purple doesn't often mix it up too much with stuff like this, but I'd be, I'd, it'd be interesting to put together like a like what would be a good acoustic set for. Like an unplugged set for Deep Purple to play. Mm. If they had been featured, say, on MTV Unplugged. That's a good episode idea. we come with our picks.
1: Yeah, a good topic. The only problem is we have, like, no supporting music for it. Right. That's acoustic.
0: Which is, I mean, there's some obvious picks. Can't
3: you feel the an hour we we'll travel
0: The only thing I would say is, maybe you could shorten it up a little live, like acoustic, but it's still really good.
3: With that That was really nice. It's a lot of fun. Good job, you guys. Where's Roger Glover track,
0: JoLynn Turner. I need the applause track. <laughs> Here's the applause track. I like that he says. He says after he's like, eh, "King of Dreams." <laughs> like, thank you. Was wasn't quite sure what song that was. Oh my goodness! Unbelievable. Well, I've only got one more track. Another Beatles connection. Sorry to have to end it that way on you, John. But yeah. um, this one is from a live show in 1991. Where was this? Do I have where the show is from? Let me look here. It looks like, it's at Edinburgh. And this is, a and again, a kind of a short one, like The Whiter uh, uh, Shade of Pale. This is the Beatles perform, uh, the Beatles, uh, Deep Purple performing the song Yesterday. So here we go. Mom's Day? Okay, so it must have been.
3: This is Charlie. Say hello to Charlie. Oh, how are you
0: I don't know if this is just towards the end of the show where they kind of.
1: See what I mean though? All these pictures popping up from the JLT era, they kind of had that leather fringe look going on.
0: A lot of fringe on Richie's jacket there
1: yeah that's really the only time i think they had like a quote-unquote
0: style this would have been march 11th I don't know. They seem to do this in the middle of the set not towards the end like they normally stick the covers at, at the very end of this. Sp- and they still do this to this day where they do they usually don't do full covers but they'll just do like a couple minutes. Mhm. It's kind of like last minute. Not quite getting the lyrics right. (laughs) I don't know what that's about. The fuck?
1: You must have invited a couple of fans up on stage. That's what it sounded like.
0: sudden JLT lost all of control of all of his faculties <laughs> and then that ends the song was perfectly not him that was definitely
1: not him <laughs> I was like when did Dudley Moore walk in
0: <laughs> Dudley Moore would have would have would have nailed it not True. Arthur Dudley Moore but real Dudley yeah Moore.
1: when did Arthur walk in that's what I'm talking about
0: <laughs> oh man so there you go just some uh just some re- uh, little snippets and uh fun little tracks from from those uh from those those years um and sadly not like i said not a ton going into battle battle redesign probably because it was so you know you know you had jlt recorded and then they recorded all over everything and they weren't just like hanging around doing anything fun so maybe someday later we'll do some different bonus episodes somewhere down the line but i should cover this era But hey, before we uh before we say our goodbyes, John, there's one more thing we have to do. Do you know what it is?
1: Well, it's not fumbling with the
0: spreadsheet, so I mean, we could just for fun, we could fumble and see if there's anything new in there.
1: (laughs) But I think it's time to thank the foundation level patrons.
0: Oh, I think you know what, John. I think that's a that's one of the best ideas you've had in a long time. Kudos. No, yes, we're gonna. We're going to thank our, our foundation level <laughs> patrons. And coming in at the $3.33 halfway to Evil tier, we have Raf Calf, Spike the Rock Cat, and Spike's Mom. At the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we have Peter Gardeau, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light, Ivan Fieldboo. And Runar can. A- and of course, JJ Stenhard. Coming in at the $1 made up name tier, we have the bonus grave Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 Fanatic, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, Blackmore Tights, and John Maselli.
2: I don't know, you got any Croutons? (laughs)
0: So thank you everybody for your generous donations <laughs> to the deep purple podcast. I, I love those clips
1: just with no context,
0: <laughs> no context. Here's, there's some of those like Twitter accounts that are like, is like no context, whatever show. And then they'll just put scenes up from a show with one line underneath. There should be a no context, no context. Tony Maselli zingers, Twitter account. <laughs> hey, got any curtains. <laughs> oh, 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 that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I put all these together and I still don't even know what the hell that's from. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- uh, I watched a lot of uh, Tony Maselli to get all these. My <laughs> bad. Oh, my goodness. Well, there you go, John. There you have it. Another uh, another episode it. in the, in the can. There you have it. There you have it. <sighs>
1: another one in the can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, until next week, my friend. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and I'll see you uh, next Monday for another exciting episode of the Deep Purple Podcast. Heck yeah.
1: All right, later.
0: Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. <laughs> this is good. Sounds good.
3: Why she had to go, I don't know.
2: She wouldn't say.